Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Chase Thomas podcast, where I'm still the aforementioned Chase Thomas, coming to you live from Knoxville, Tennessee. Uh, both hosts on this very podcast, their football teams in college football, that is, are undefeated as of this recording. That means myself and the Tennessee Volunteers uh, implied here. And also the Georgia Bulldogs and Matt Green, Bell University of North Georgia alumni. Matt Green's Georgia Bulldogs also also, also, also moving to 1-0 on the weekend. Matt, good evening, sir. How are you? Yes, sir. Good evening. It's a... Uh... It's a late one. A lot of a lot of uh, college football we had this this weekend, and we're still undone. I guess we still uh, will have Clemson Georgia Tech tonight. I guess if you're listening to this mm. uh, on a Monday, so yeah, man, it was an awesome weekend for college football. I'd definitely, uh, definitely a good weekend for my dogs. Well, let's start off with what we just the reason we're going super late tonight um, for this show, which will not be a weekly uh, occurrence uh, for both of our well beings, um, is that we had Florida State and uh, LSU. Uh, absolutely lose their minds tonight. This is our instant reaction to kick things off here, uh, Matt Green. What did you uh, What did you make of what happened in this one? Did we gleam anything? Do we have any strong takeaways from either team coming out of it? Um, I don't know. Like that was that was a lot. LSU going ninety nine yards after Florida State fumbling on the one uh, with just. I mean. <laughs> the game almost coming down to a 10 second runoff because he didn't get out of bounds and they wouldn't have had to worry about that. If Brian Kelly didn't inexplicably let 30 seconds run off the clock when he had three timeouts uh, after that fumble in the first down play, like there are all kinds of different things to pull from this one. But for you, instant reaction coming out of Florida state's victory to put them at two and O for the season and uh, Brian Kelly and the LSU Tigers moving to zero and one. Well, there's so much to unpack from everything you said. But the first thing I want to say is the Buzz Killington crowd out there mm. is going to tell you, oh, what what a what a sloppy game we have. Neither team wanted to win. This was just terrible, terrible quality of football in this game. But the college football purist like I am, this is why we watch college football. Like this game mm. was incredible. It's like... This is why college football is superior to the NFL because it's like we get NFL level athletes almost, but there's still some of that high school element that like the crazy things happen because these aren't professionals and the fumble at the end, like you didn't even need to really run a play and they're, Mm. they're tossing it on the goal line. Like that's just craziness. Like that doesn't happen in the NFL, like plays like that. Like, so it was just, it was an incredible game. I, uh, you you said the clock management right there on defense there at the end was was bad. I thought the clock management that was the worst was after they got like the second first down on that last drive because they got a first down and then they're losing what uh, their second to last timeout. Like mm-hmm. you you have to save those for the bad plays and like it it really it could have cost them because in the end if things played out the way they should have Florida state should win the game. Right. They, he, he did uh, tailor the the freshman tight end at there at the end. Mm. He did go out of ba- or he did come down in bounds and they're not going to be able to get it out of their playoff in one second. So like poetic justice wise, Florida state should have come out and 
should have won the game right then and there. So, but then I feel like for the fan and once everything stopped and they like, were talking about what they're going to rule. It's like, just from a, from a per- fan perspective, like we got to decide this, like we can't just run the clock off and just be like, Oh, you know, they wouldn't have gotten that last playoff. So it's game over. It's like, no, we've stopped it now. We're running one more play. This is for the game. Like I thought it was just, it was incredible drama, man. 99 yards on the last drive. I mean, that was preposterous. Um, you mentioned a couple things there too. I just, the Mike Norvell also calling the timeout to review whether or not he was in bounds was insanity because blowing the timeout there by calling the timeout to challenge whether or not he was in bounds or out of bounds, that guaranteed an LSU play there. So if you don't call a timeout, it's like, hey, they're going to review it either way. The boost's going to look at that. Don't call the timeout because if you don't call the timeout and they look, it's just right then and there. If LSU's not set, I think Richard Johnson of Sports Illustrated had this tweet where he's like, if I'm LSU, I'm in stance no matter what this review does because like I don't know which way this is going. Like we're ready in our offensive set immediately because if it goes the wrong way, like the clock's just going to start immediately. Like I don't think you can get the playoff. Uh, with a second See, but I, I don't think Norvell does anything wrong in that situation because on the field the ruling is that he's out of bounds so the clock mm. is stopped and LSU is going to get that playoff one second but he challenges it I feel like there is a chance and like like uh, the referee uh, analyst commentator was saying on the broadcast like there was discussion of like maybe the 10 second runoff or whatever or mm. because if you at least look at it like there's a chance the refs might rule what we're saying is like Honestly, what the most just outcome would have been, yeah, LSU came down in bounds. They're not going to get another playoff. It's game over. That really would have been the most fair thing. I just, it, we would have felt robbed as an audience if they if they left it that way. So, like, it almost feels like the ball doesn't lie, right? Like, that FSU was able to block the, the, the field goal, the extra point after all of that. Like, just insanity. I mean, we had a lot of crazy goal line stands uh, over the weekend uh, that we'll get to here on this podcast because this was one of the best week ones of college football. But uh, shout out to Mike Norvell and the Seminoles. That's a huge win. And like you said at the top where people are going to say, oh, it's week one. And they're just they're not going to give Florida State credit because LSU was mostly a mess. And I think LSU this is going to be a problem. I think this is a bad football team right now. Like they have a bunch of talent. Um, obviously one of the worst targeting calls or worst targeting plays I've seen in a long time. Like that's like, like actual targeting, like, actual. Yeah, like, yeah, for sure. I think someone tweeted that like, that's going to be shown in every official meeting for the next decade. This, this plus. is the one. This yeah. is the gold standard. And it was, it was nuts, but I mean, you look at that, it looks like Mason uh, is out for probably a long time. It looked like that was a bad uh, non-contact knee injury. He uh, suffered yeah. early in that one. Celebrating but, on that tackle. Yeah, that was that was unfortunate. Yeah, and you look at Noah Kane wasn't really a factor in this one. You look at Butte, who was not a factor for the majority of this game. And no, that was the strangest thing to me, how he really did nothing in this game. Well, you can't. I just Jane Daniels was bad. Like I, I, there were a lot of folks talking about it too that I thought was fascinating. A lot of ex quarterbacks talking about uh, the plays that LSU was running was just scramble, where he just does not stay in the pocket. He it, it, at Florida State deserves a lot of credit for flustering him, but man, that guy he's just he did this at Arizona State all the time where he will not stay in the pocket. That's just not not his game, and um, I just I don't know. I, I don't think we're going to see Jaden Daniels be the quarterback throughout the rest of this season, but I just, 
I think we'll see Garrett Nussmeyer sooner rather than later, but not the offensive opening you wanted to see if you're an LSU fan to start off the Brian Kelly era. And I, I don't know. I think they're in for, I feel a lot better about Tennessee going to death Valley in a month than I did uh, coming into this one, but also, Hey, great, huge, huge win for Mike Norbell and his program. Like they needed that one so, so much. And Jordan Travis is a gamer, man. A lot of Jake Fromm in him is what I noticed. A lot of Jake Fromm or it's just like <laughs> Jake Fromm. You think he's a little more Jake- athletic than Jake Fromm. I'm talking more of like the, the likability. No one actually wants him to be the quarterback. Cause you're always trying to replace him. He's a three-star kid from the state of Florida. Jake Fromm uh, was like a borderline five star. He was he was a four star. Let's uh, he no. Was Jake Fromm was like the thirtieth ranked player in the country coming out of high school. I think I Rivals see. or someone did have him as a five star. Like he was Jake Fromm was super big time. Oh. And he and he had, he had he was committed to Alabama before he's committed to Georgia. Like Jake Fromm was obviously people wanted Justin Fields. That was a whole thing. But I feel like Jake Fromm was a pretty highly touted guy in his own right. Well. He just had Jordan Travis, the 25th best uh, dual threat quarterback in his class uh, back in the day from Florida, um, North North Palm Beach, the Benjamin School. I think his brother is an MOB player. But um, either way, my broader point was not to get into the the nitty gritty on the Jake <laughs> Fromm comparison. It's just more of like he's fine. Like he was just somebody that you you take for granted if you're a Seminole fan. Where it's like he's competent and he's a gamer. He's someone that you want to go to war with. And we'll see what happens. And Jordan Travis had a fantastic game. He had the Tim Tebow throw at one point, took a beating, took a lot of shots in this one, had a lot of great balls. He had a couple of touchdowns dropped that were just fantastic passes. Uh, Mookie was great in this one. They ran the ball really well. I was just impressed as a whole uh, what the Knowles looked like. And I think um, there's reason for optimism that maybe this was a, a turning point for Florida State based on what we saw from the rest of the ACC this weekend, Matt Green, if you're looking around, suddenly if you're Florida State, you're like, the ACC might be wide open this year. Like, maybe we need to recalibrate what we think of Florida State because ACC, we'll get into it. Not the best week uh, for that conference as a whole. Um, I don't know. It'll be maybe yeah, stuttered <laughs> there. It'll be remain to be seen uh, because, like you said, LSU kind of looks like a bad football team right mm. now. So... I, I agree with what the, we saw from the ACC uh, this year, this week. I think Florida State, you know, they're not, you know, just they don't have zero chance to win the conference. But uh, I'd pump the brakes a little bit because we we don't know how good this LSU team is. I, I, I had the same thought you like you mentioned, like Tennessee going into Baton Rouge in a few weeks. Uh, doesn't seem quite as daunting after seeing this performance. Well, a few uh, housekeeping notes uh, before we uh, move on into our recap show. Matt Green here on the Full Ride on the Chase Must podcast. As always, you can check us out on YouTube. Uh, go subscribe on the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Chase Thomas podcast. Like and subscribe as we continue growing out the YouTube page on that front. Uh, check us out on our uh, homepage, com. You can read all my sports writing over at sportsrenaissanceman.substack.com. Type your email, become a subscriber today. Follow Matt at Matt underscore Dev underscore Green. Follow myself at Chase Double underscore Thomas. Email this very program. Love to hear from you guys uh, at Chase Thomas Podcast at gmail.com. And of course, if you like this show, tell a friend, family member, coworker about the full ride here on the Chase Thomas Podcast and leave us a five-star rating and a review if you're an Apple Podcast or Spotify listener. It helps other people find the show and it helps this very show 
continue to grow here on the Blue Wire Pod Network. Uh, Matt Green, it's time for your green line. It's back because college football is back. So I'm excited. The green line, stat of the weekend. Where, what do you got, man? Green line stat of the week. Uh, there's probably a lot of stats you could have chosen for the Georgia Bulldogs this weekend uh, after absolutely pummeling the Oregon Ducks. Uh, but we're going to go with Georgia being the first team since Ohio State in 2020 uh, versus Power 5 competition to score seven touchdowns on their first seven drives of the game. Mm. This offense was just absolutely dialed in. I want to say the the seventh drive, they put them up, what, 49-3? That was <laughs> like to start the fourth quarter or so. Like just uh, absolute domination and uh, from this Georgia offense this weekend. We'll get into Georgia in a second, but my point, do you remember what I said about Georgia and Alabama last year about on this podcast? What's that? You got to take them off primetime. You got to take them off any kind of big schedule. They need to be on Jefferson Pilot Sports. They do great ratings though, man. I don't understand it. Like I was so mad at myself because I told uh, the sports renaissance when when we started that game, I was like, I'm going to hate myself for watching this game. Georgia's going to blow them out. Like I I just, I had it deep in my gut where I'm like, this game's going to be over in the second quarter and I'm going to sit here watching the whole game, taking notes on something that doesn't matter and is going to be over rather quickly. And lo and behold, uh, the dogs just kicked the living crap out of the, out of the ducks. And I feel like uh, the three thirty spot, like, they don't belong there anymore. Play, you know what they need to do? A new challenge for Georgia, 8 a.m. on Saturday morning. That is the new challenge. Just put Georgia on 8 a.m. Alabama, 8 a.m. That's your new like, hey, competition is like the only. We got to start leveling the playing field a little bit, especially when you have Kirby after the game being like, we just have better players. Uh, that is something that it basically just openly now Georgia can say is just that like we just are better all across the board. And I feel like people, he's getting like kind of some pushback from that comment. And I didn't really understand the comment at all because it, it really seemed more like humbleness coming from Kirby Smart. Like, mm. no, this isn't really about me being like better than Dan Lanning. Like, we just have better players. Like, it's just kind of that simple. Like, players are the ones who win your game. Like, Nick Saban, I feel like he's always the first to talk about, yeah, you can talk about the coaches and fans. Like, the players are the ones that are, that are getting this done. And we have to, we have superior players. There you go. Uh, Matt one, Green, before I, we get into... A, yeah. I have a green... A second part of the green okay. the green line stat of the week. Part two. Um, uh, one of the, maybe one of the... Hopefully not one of the biggest regrets of my entire life. Um, mm. And Tori has already told me she's going to let me hear it forever if, if this comes to fruition. Stetson Bennett did not put a preseason... I did not put a futures Heisman bet in for, for Stetson Bennett. Mm. And... I hope it's not one of the things I come to regret in my life. If you would have put a uh, bet in for Stetson Bennett to win the Heisman, a $100 bet to win the Heisman on Friday, that mm. would have paid out $12,500. If you were to place a $100 bet on Stetson Bennett today, you would only get $2,900. His Heisman line or uh, odds just changed like overnight uh, after that performance versus Oregon. So uh, hopefully, you know, I want Stetson to win the Heisman as much as anybody. It's a great story. He's got all that going on for him. But um, I, it'll be one of my biggest regrets if it happens because I talked about it all off season because no one was giving him any respect. There's something insane about the the the, the gap between Herschel Walker 
to Stetson Bennett as Heisman winners for the dogs. <laughs> like there's something that makes me really unwell just thinking about that possibility. Not all Heisman winners are built the same. Well, we'll get into Georgia in a second because I have some other thoughts about that game, um, about that one. But uh, before we do that, Matt Green, something tells me one of us picked the Knowles to be LSU. One of us picked Indiana to be. Oh, my goodness. Did I clean up this weekend? Because Matt Green, (laughs) I I had this feeling in my gut tonight where I was like, I am going to be able to just boast tonight on this podcast that. I, after going three and zero last weekend, I am I am building a an amazing lead to start this college football season. Am I am I right here? Uh, you are absolutely right about that one. Um, the funny part is, if LSU had won uh, mm. this, this game, I would have actually beaten you against the spread. Mm. Um, so we were tied before that that last game. So. Me this weekend. We'll start with the bad news. Six and five overall winners Oof. and losers. Four, five, and two against the spread. Um, not winning you people money this week. But uh Chase Thomas over here, five, four, and two against the spread. You know, that's that's okay. That's solid. But ten and one overall, <sighs> sir. That's uh just cleaning up. And uh Zeus is home dog of the week, Purdue. <sighs> Just narrowly, three and a half point dog, mm. lost by four. That was a tough one. Man, those every game we got this weekend, like especially the ones that are all the only game of the day, like the the Thursday and Friday and Sunday games were all just incredible. Uh Purdue, I really thought that they were gonna get that done, but Penn State, they just they escaped right there at the end. Well, what's my one loss? Your one loss. Oh, and we we didn't even we forgot on the podcast to pick the Ohio State uh, uh, Notre Dame game. We both but we did Ohio off air. We both took yeah. Ohio State uh, um, with the points. Yeah. Let me see. I'll have to I'll have to figure out which one uh, you lost. We'll have to come back to that. That's driving me nuts because now I'm curious. About oh, you picked Utah to win. Did I? Yeah. No. 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 No, no, t- you didn't. No, you yeah. didn't. No, you didn't. That's that's my pick. No, you're good. You're good. Um, I just I didn't want to do it on the air. I didn't want to just be put on the spot. You put you picked App State to win. <sighs> that's what it was. App State. And honestly, if you watch that game, folks, feel vindicated in that one. Feel a little oh, vindicated. Man. That was that was a crazy one. Oh man. All right. Well, where do you want to start, Matt Green, from our from our list? We have a lot we can go here. Um, where do you want to start though? <clears throat> I feel like we got to start on Thursday night mm. because that West Virginia Pittsburgh game was incredible. Like JT Daniels, man. I feel like I was right on JT Daniels. He seemed he's got the talent and he was he was under pressure that whole game. Like I feel like he was uh he was dropping some dimes. That interception, the pick six, while an amazing moment in the game. Oh man, just so unfortunate for JT Daniels. Like can we can we start giving wide receivers interception an interception column in the stats like sometimes like this just shouldn't be on the quarterback like i don't i don't know it's just it's unfortunate to see that in his stats um but yeah i i felt like that was an incredible game i thought west virginia was gonna get it done but most importantly I don't think mainstream college football was ready for the backyard brawl like mm. i don't we're like this is an nfl stadium 
what West Virginia, Pittsburgh, like they don't play for college football playoffs. They're not any like contenders or anything. That was an incredible atmosphere. Like we, they need to, we need we need that every year. Uh, West Virginia, Pittsburgh. I agree. Um, it was fantastic, and we can't say uh, enough good things about the backyard brawl. It turns out, Matt Green, that uh, play, not playing them on neutral sites and just having regional rivalries and playing those kind of games uh, are good. It turns out that fans like them, TV likes them, and uh, everybody involved likes them. I, I had to watch it late, uh, super late that night because I was at UT uh, Ball State that night. Um, mm. But yeah, I'm glad that that is ultimately what happened there. It was a brutal way to lose. Uh, obviously, the tip ball um pick six that was just that was rough um for jt and company but i think when you look at that too my biggest takeaway is i feel it's funny because i think i flipped now where i am far more concerned about anthony richardson and the gators coming into knoxville at the end of september than i am going on the road this week at Pitt. pat narduzzi has put his stamp back on this offense they're running the football they're trying to control the clock. They're not playing like West Virginia and what Graham Harrell and JT Daniels were doing. They were under center, man. They're back under center at Pittsburgh, sir. They are running the football. Keaton Slovis, take a seat, my friend. This is uh, this is not your uh, Kenny Pickett offense we saw a year ago. And I feel really, really good about that because if you play that style against UT next week, with the tempo that UT's playing at right now and what they open with ball state, which is faster than what they were last year, you're going to get blown out the building. So I feel really good about Pitt this weekend. And uh, I appreciate uh, Pitt going back to uh, this style of offense because while it can beat West Virginia, they had better players. Uh, shout out to Kirby smart on that one. Um, <laughs> they're just, <laughs> I am not the least bit concerned uh, anymore. Uh, going into Pittsburgh, not next the week. least bit concerned about Pittsburgh. That's, I'm not. See, that's interesting to me. What with how much pressure they got, JT Daniels. Like mm-hmm. I know they're not running the same offense as Tennessee necessarily, but I don't know. I think this this Pitt defensive line I think looked really good, mm-hmm. and you know <clears throat> they're a, they're a solid physical team, and I think I think that could be a good matchup next week. And like like we said about the uh, the atmosphere, like. Uh, that Pittsburgh, that Heinz Field, whatever they're calling it in 2022, that, that, was a, that was a hostile environment for sure. Heinz Field's what it's always going to be. I mean, the Johnny Majors Classic, man. Uh, I hope it sticks. It's a, it's what a fun time. What is it called now? Do you even know? Uh, I don't. I'll it's some like corporate sponsor. I don't even know now. Which Not is important. funny because it's like, well, Heinz Field is a corporate sponsor. But I know, it, right? It just doesn't feel it's like, like that it. was my corporate sponsor. <laughs> all right. Where are we going next, Matt Green? Um, I guess we should stay on on Thursday. The other one that was such a great game was Purdue, Penn State. Like Purdue was just in control of this game late. And there's so much second guessing I saw on Twitter of them passing with like three minutes to go in the game with the lead. But I think I think it shows that the, you know they were they were correct to keep try to keep the foot on the gas because the last time Penn State got the ball, they drove right down the field like what did they get the ball back with like a minute 45 and they scored in like 45 seconds. Like it took them almost no time at all to, to drive down there. So I uh, was obviously disappointed. I picked Purdue. I thought there was a chance 
obviously there still is a chance for them to win the Big Ten West, but there was a chance that if they won that Penn State game that, you know, they could have started 8-9-0. So um, I think Purdue still looks like a solid team, but uh, Penn State, I thought this was a big-time victory. Like going on the road, like hostile environment to open the season, like teams just aren't full stride coming out week one. So if you have a conference game that matters week one and a, in on a road in a road environment like that like it doesn't really matter who the opponent is like that's a that's a big time win it was interesting too like Pitt did a really good job uh controlling uh all the different backs like uh Penn State rotated Allen Lee and Singleton and they all three yards to carry three yards to carry two yards to carry and Clifford man was just not good he completed barely 50 percent of his passes 20 for 37 282 7.6 yards per attempt he had four TDs a pick 75.4 75.4 QBR, but if you're a Pitt fan or a Pitt, Penn State who uh, goes to uh, LSU and that's not looking like the best decision uh, for Kane, maybe he should have stayed in uh, Happy Valley for one more year with Clifford and company. But um, you look at that offense and what we saw, I don't know. It was uh, <laughs> it was a survive and advance game, but if you're a Penn State fan, Matt Green, uh, should he still be the guy? Did you see enough from the four Drew Aller passes, the five-star kid, uh, freshman who's right behind him? Do you think there is a possibility we see him sooner rather than later, or do you think Clifford was fine as all? Yeah, like I'm not a huge Clifford guy, but I honestly, I'm glad you asked that because I felt like when Drew Aller Aller came in, Aller Aller, I'm not sure. If I think it's Aller, but I could be wrong. All, um, I felt like their offense seemed kind of out of whack for like the next three or four drives after that. Like it, it just seemed like it threw him off and I'm not sure if he was hurt or I think there's speculation that he may have just been in the bathroom. I don't know for the start of the third quarter, but I, um, I, I felt like their whole offense kind of seemed that that seemed like that gave Purdue to get a shot, a chance back in the game after, after that series. And it didn't really make any sense. And then Clifford, I mean, he seems like one of those guys that's just, under just the most pressure nationally, like everyone's just ready to say he sucks and, and things like that. So I feel like ultimately like when leading that game winning drive, the way he did, like I don't see any chance that you, that he's not the starter moving forward. It is funny. Uh, did you hear what Joel Klatt said about Clifford during this game? I don't remember what he said. Quote, and this is uh, from red shirt freshman on Twitter. He said, quote, uh, if you're a veteran QB in college football, it probably means you haven't been good enough to leave. Oh, man. That's honestly true. That's, I feel like, how it is. That's 100% true in college basketball. It's mm-hmm. like if you're, if you're a junior or senior, it's probably because they don't, they don't think you can play in the NBA. Yeah. But, yeah, honestly, in 2022, there's, there's a lot of truth to that. Where are we going next, Matt Green? Um, what are your thoughts? Um. What do you have on your sheet? What's this next here? One I'll give tw- I'll give a, a few seconds on Tennessee here. Um, okay, Tennessee, Ball State, uh, Tennessee obviously blows them out. I've, it's been so long now. I think it's fifty nine fourteen final, if I'm not mistaken. Is that correct, Matt Green? I don't have it in front of me. What do we end up uh, winning by? Fifty nine ten. Excuse me. And Tennessee, very very vanilla, very very vanilla, very different than what we saw a year ago opening against Bowling Green with Joe Milton at quarterback. Uh, in the opener, but Joe Milton looked fantastic in his uh, time in the second half. Um, I don't know. I, I can't quit Joe Milton uh, and the upside there going into next year, but we'll see. Um, Jalen Wright uh, is healthy and just going to be a yak machine. Very excited to see what he does with this offense. Um, 13 carries, 88 yards, TD. 
Hendon was a little bit uh, off. I mean, he was still 18, 25, 221, 8.8 yards per attempt. Um, but it wasn't uh, it wasn't great. Like Hendon was not his normal Hendon self. He was fine. He was efficient, did what he needed to do. Hypel spoke glowingly of him. Um, but the main thing, Brew McCoy, going to be a dude out wide. He's huge. A lot of Juwan Jennings comparisons. He's even wearing the same number at 15 um, out wide, but he is just long. Tennessee is going to have just a lot of fun with Cedric Tillman and Brew McCoy out wide. They're just huge. They're just going to be bigger than most corners they're going up against, and they're going to have a lot of go jump ball opportunities. And Jalen Hyatt, first play of the game, offensive play of the game, he gets in the end zone. He's in the slot now, and he's just a track star and they're just deeper at receiver. Tennessee's going to play more receivers and uh, that's going to be fun. Uh, but still not a lot of pressure uh, from the defense. I think that's uh, still a big concern the rest of the way, but tempo's faster. The offense can sleepwalk to 59 points is the main thing is that if you thought Tennessee was playing fast and you thought the offense was good last year, I think this is going to finish in the top five and uh, offensive uh, efficiency going into this year. Um, and I think that matters and we'll see how many wins that accumulates, but, uh, Tennessee looked just, they, they understand this offense. Everybody knows what they're doing and they just have more depth than a year ago. Yeah. I don't have much to add on, uh, on this Tennessee game. Uh, you, you pretty much said it all. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm excited for Tennessee Pittsburgh. I'm especially, Mm. uh, I'm, I'm surprised to hear you say you're, you're not the least bit concerned. Given the Pitt Panthers some bulletin board material there. It is, but like Matt, I just I look at it as this Pitt team is not now they, they are not a team that I think is going to be able to play from behind very well. Like I don't think the way uh this offense wants to run when Tennessee's up twenty four nothing after the first quarter, I just don't know if Pitt's gonna have the offensive firepower and uh just kinda <laughs> mindset that they had a year ago with Mark Whipple and Kenny Pickett. I just Tennessee's going to jump on you. There's just no way around Tennessee dominating you in the first quarter. Everybody feels it every week. It hasn't stopped in the high player. It's like, it's just not going to stop. So where's quarter champions. They are. They're the best first quarter (laughs) offense in America. And I just, I think some teams can handle it. Some teams cannot. And I don't know if this pit offense can last year. They could because Pitt was a explosive, one of the best offenses there. I think had a top 10 offense last year in scoring. And that's just not the pit team that we're going to see this year. Good team, but I don't think they can hang with the tempo monsters here in Knoxville. We shall see. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll save that for the, uh, for the Wednesday show, but mm-hmm. um, I think Let's the, go to the Notre biggest Dame. game of the week. Yeah. Notre Dame, Ohio state. I'm a little concerned with my Ohio State National Championship pick, I would say, after week one. Like, I think Notre Dame, I feel like perennially, it's funny how I think you're hearing more and more people kind of give them respect. Um, You're kind of hearing that narrative more and more. But I think uh, they're kind of perennially one of the most underrated teams, it Mm. feels like. Like, oh, Notre Dame's coming in. We're going to smash them. Oh, they lose every... They lose every big game they play in, whatever, yada, yada. You know what I mean? They just seem like such a popular team to hate on these days. And they just come in, like, think about the way they play BAM. The way BAM has played a lot of teams in the college football playoff, like they smoke just about everybody they play. Notre Dame kept it close, right? Both times they played Georgia in Notre Dame and in Athens, close games down to the final possession. 
Like they just, they're a good quality team in Ohio state. Like everyone, this is a 17 point line. Like everyone's picking Ohio state to just dominate this game. And Notre Dame just kind of, it feels like they make you play their brand of football. And so I, I got to give some credit to Notre Dame for being a little better than we thought, but after seeing Jackson Smith and Jigba go down, like for that to hurt this offense the way it did, like that's not really what we're used to with Ohio State. It's just like they're loaded with playmakers. It's next man up. Like they could lose two quarterbacks and still win the national championship. Like it doesn't even matter. Like Ohio State's just always that loaded. I was disappointed with the, how they didn't just feed Travion Henderson. I feel like Travion Henderson is the best running back in college football. Like, this man needs more than 15 carries, zero uh, receptions too. Like you got to throw the, like give this man the ball, just give him touches because he's that dangerous. And I think he's the kind of guy, there's not many of those workhorses out there anymore. And I feel like he is one of those. And I, I was disappointed that he just, I mean, at 15 for 91, like I, I, I think he just should have gotten the fed the rock a lot more. That's fair. I also wonder, do you look at it as a positive that Ohio State showed that they could win a game like this early? Do you think that this, because you mentioned that this made you a little bit more worried and concerned about the national title pick, but does it actually give you more, could it give you more confidence if you're an Ohio State fan or an Ohio State better? Because Ohio State, the biggest thing last year was not whether or not they could score enough to win a national title. It was whether or not they could play defense well enough. And Jim Knowles, I think night one, did a great job like if you look at the difference with this ohio state team this year they didn't give up any chunk plays there were really no big plays in this game they never really been it was just a bend don't break type of deal uh they shut out notre dame in the second half we should mention that zero points for the fighting irish in the second half this is not the defense that we have been accustomed to the last couple years and uh in columbus and i think that is the big thing is I, i guess those are my two big takeaways from this one is that Ohio State's defense, I think, is legit and has cleaned up a lot of stuff from the last couple of years. So I think Jim Knowles is going to it's going to be a good thing. Like Notre Dame could not run on them. Tyler Buckner had nothing deep. There was no explosive plays from this Notre Dame offense. And I think uh, Ohio State deserves a lot of credit for that. But also CJ Stroud just doesn't make bad decisions like he doesn't throw picks. <laughs> he doesn't really scramble and just do dumb stuff like he doesn't fumble. He doesn't turn the ball over. He's a very stationary quarterback, and that's like kind of frustrating if you're an Ohio State fan, where he just refused to scramble and break what he needs to do. Like when Jackson Smith and Jigba and company go out, like, hey man, we need you to do more because this more is on your plate right now. And like a Justin Fields or a Bryce Young will, or even Stetson Bennett or guys like that, when stuff breaks down, at that point they're like, all right, we need to make a play, we need to do other stuff. CJ didn't really show that, but he also can still grow. And he doesn't kill you when things are bad. Like he doesn't seem phased and he can just be, he's very calming in the storm and just was fine. Um, I think CJ Stroud is just fine. And I feel a lot better about them this year than I did a year ago because that defense I think is going to be one of the nation's best. I think that's a fair point. I, uh, this Notre Dame defense, we could turn out to be one of the best they play, maybe the best they play the entire season, and mm-hmm. they're still able to, to score 21 points. I guess part of my national championship pick, you, you got to have a good defense and a good offense to win it all. But part of it was thinking that this Ohio State offense was going to be head and shoulders the best offense in college football this year, and they, were, they could just drop 40 on anyone they play. Mm-hmm. And so that this makes me worry a little bit that 
you know, Smith and Jigba going out can kind of derail the offense the way it did. But you're absolutely right. Like if the defense and we don't, you know, we don't know how good this Notre Dame offense necessarily is. Like, you know, Tyler Buckner, he like he was running around making some plays there, but the offense just didn't didn't really move the ball when it mattered the most, uh, and couldn't get in the end zone for the most part. So I uh you make a valid point. Like this could be a much improved Ohio State defense and i think it should be a much improved ohio state defense and they're definitely still one of the top two or three con- contenders out there notre dame starts off 121st though in uh first downs per game 12 total first downs in this one mm. ohio state did did work uh on that front so we'll see if that's a notre dame problem for the next couple weeks or is that an ohio state has made the leap and i'm gonna mention exactly. i have to mention this one macarine because this is this is some real sicko stuff, but Iowa seven, South Dakota State three. Um, Brian Ferentz, son of Kirk Ferentz, the head coach. I think we talked about it on the podcast, uh, Matt Green. <sighs> this is why I couldn't do anything on Iowa this offseason. Where you were in on it, you were like, "Well, it's Iowa. They'll bounce back. They'll do enough. They should still contend in the Big Ten West." I don't want them to contend in the Big Ten West. <laughs> this is a disgrace, what we saw on Saturday against the Jackrabbits. And no shots fired against the Jackrabbits. There were 10 total first downs for the Hawkeyes at home against the Jackrabbits. I, there's bad, Matt Green. And then there's whatever we just saw on Saturday. Like, I, like I'm not going to sit here and say I watched every single snap, but I watched the clips. I watched what I needed to. It is ridiculous. You see enough. It I cannot believe they did that to their fans. Like the Iowa fans, we love you guys. Iowa, beautiful place to play. Love to go to a game uh, in Hawkeye Country. Goodness gracious, Brian Ferentz cannot continue to be your offensive coordinator. Kirk Ferentz, you have to evolve. We're not saying you have to run the air raid, man. We're not saying you have to just completely just revamp your offense and run whatever Coastal's running week in, week out. You don't have to become UNC where it's all gas, no defense, but you have to do something else. This cannot happen. A team that was just in the Big Ten title game a year ago, 10 total first downs at home. And I bet if if you're a listener out there that did not watch this game, you're thinking, (laughs) well, Chase, you're being a little hard on the Hawkeyes. They did put together one touchdown drive. Not so fast, (laughs) my friend. I'm going to read the the scoring, the each drive by drive in this play or in this game uh, for the entire game. Mm. We got punt, punt, miss field goal, punt, 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 field goal, (laughs) Iowa, punt, punt. Punt, 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 interception, Iowa. Field goal, or Iowa threw an interception. Field goal, South Dakota State, end of half. Punt, 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 punt. Safety. Then Iowa had a fumble. Punt, 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 punt. Another safety. Punt, turnover on downs in the game. So Iowa did not put together one touchdown drive. They kicked one field goal and got two safeties. To have seven points, unbelievable. That's just that's just Big Ten football right there. I just, what in the world is that, Matt Green? What in the world is that? Like Spencer Petras' final line in this one, 11 for 25, 109 yards, 
4.4 yards per attempt, no TDs, one interception. He had a 1.1 quarterback rating. 1.1, Macarine. What are we doing? Unbelievable. What uh, are we doing in Iowa City? 286 total yards combined of offense in this game. 286. Never seen anything like this game. I, I saw a meme. I wish I would give credit to it if I knew who it was. But uh, they said these two things are the same sport and showed South Dakota State, Iowa, side by side with North Carolina App State, 63-61. Just absolutely absurd. That's why I, I got to love carries, college football. 36 carries for 57 yards for the Hawkeyes. The Jackrabbits, 31 carries for 33 yards. That's tough. This is not North Dakota State. This is South Dakota State. Yes. Oh, my goodness. The noted basketball juggernauts, South Dakota State Jackrabbits. This is not their sport up there in South Dakota. Matt Green, where are we going next? I can't talk about the Hawkeyes anymore. I think the biggest performance of the weekend has to be the Georgia Bulldogs, right? Mm. Like, just with the question of, you know, what, what were they going to be losing 15 guys to the NFL draft, all of that. And to absolutely dismantle Oregon 49 to three for this thing to just never even be close. Like, Hmm. like Bo Nix, what are you doing, man? Like just go to any school on the West coast that doesn't have Georgia on the schedule. Like, man, this was just an absolute beat down. I, um, I feel like, I think this is what I said on the podcast leading into this game that, this Georgia offense just has so many playmakers and you, you can see Todd Monken's genius at work now. Like they're just loaded, you know, with running backs, receivers, tight ends, just all of them. Like I think Kenny McIntosh had about 1818 yards rushing in this game and had about 120 yards receiving. Like you could just, like Justin Flo and Noah Sewell were like the biggest storyline of this Oregon defense. And I'm honestly not sure they made it either made a play the entire game. I know Justin, Justin Flo had the, the roughing the passer on Stetson Bennett, which personally I thought was questionable. Like it's not the worst call I've ever seen uh, on a quarterback for a late hit, but like if you're hitting the quarterback simultaneously when he's throwing, like, I don't know how it can be roughing the passer, but like you just saw who like, Georgia just absolutely abused the matchups. Like, Lad McConkey, like, Lad McConkey is a legit playmaker in this offense. Darnell Washington, like, Brock Bowers is the best player on this offense a year ago. They score 49 points, and I think he had two catches for about 30 yards. Like, they're just so loaded. And Stetson Bennett looked as good as I think we've ever seen him look. A couple things here, though. And I think this is a fair question. Did any quarterback in football have more time to throw over the weekend than Stetson Bennett. Oh, I think you're absolutely right. I think there's a, I think there's a great, uh, a valid point to that. Georgia's offensive line. This might be one of the best offensive lines in college football this year. I think it's the best. Like they crushed Oregon's defensive line. That was the big part of the game to me is that people talk about Stetson and a lot of it was because of that Heisman type play where he ran around, avoided the sack and then found Lad McConkey by himself in the end zone. It felt like a Heisman moment type thing. But I think Georgia fans are now getting so defensive about Stetson where if you mention, and this was something I mentioned in the family where I'm like, I was taking notes. I want a stat of like how much time who, which quarterback had the most amount of time per 
dropback uh, to throw. And I mean, this is not a slight at Stetson. This is not something Stetson can control. But generally speaking, quarterbacks are significantly better when they have a clean pocket over and over again. There are quarterbacks, you look at the numbers, their quarterback grading with a clean pocket versus not. And a lot of it can make or break a quarterback. This is an advantage for Georgia. This is not a slight against Stetson Bennett. This is a reason that they are going to pulverize everybody else in their wake this year. But if you're going to throw the Stetson, part of the difference between Bryce Young and a Stetson Bennett is that Alabama offensive line sucked last year. The reason that Bryce Young won the Heisman was because Bryce was having to improvise a bunch last year. He was having to run for his life a bunch. There's a reason Doug Marone is not the offensive line coach at Alabama anymore. It is the Kentucky offensive line coach that Saban brought in. This is not a shot against Stetson Bennett, but it's a it's a slight slight on Stetson Bennett though. No one's ever saying this is supposed to do though, right? Like no one's saying yeah, but Tua's got offensive line and these great receivers. Like it's just like. Oh my God, you see Tua? This guy is incredible. So there is, a, it is a slight to an extent. It's just about keeping the same energy with Stetson that, that you do with everybody else. Well, I'm saying you too, he was efficient. Like Stetson was great. Like Stetson, two things can be true. Stetson was great and he's one of the best quarterbacks in college football. Stetson also it benefited. And I think people can overreact about what you saw from Stetson on Saturday in particular where it's just when you have that kind of time that matters and a lot of it was yak stuff like Lab McConkie was doing stuff after the catch Darnell Washington was doing stuff after the catch Brock Bowers was doing stuff uh you mentioned McIntosh in the flat those were guys doing what they needed to do yeah so many screens and I think that's that's when you know you're just better than somebody because you're just like we don't really need to run a play. We don't need to design something to get someone open. We're just going to throw it to him. We're going to block your guys and we're going to break tackles. Like it's, it seemed just so simple. Like, so no, there's definitely a lot of short stuff that was thrown, but I think he was also like five of seven. Um, I don't know how many yards, a couple of touchdowns throwing downfield as well. So I thought that the, the, the throw he had to AD Mitchell, the back mm. shoulder touchdown, it was just such a sharp, like crisp, uh, passing catch is just that was what you didn't really see with Stetson Bennett. It was like so many of the plays he made were kind of improv plays, kind of running around finding somebody, leaning on the on the on the run game a lot last year. Like the actual passing game just looked just way way better timed. Everything just looked sharper, it looked crisper. I think he threw he threw like five six incompletions in the game, and I think two or three of those were him throwing the ball away. So. I mean, it, he was the offense was just looked so good. It was a lot of short stuff, but you know, I mean, that's 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 college football, right? That's what that's how you how you run an offense. You just just be efficient. It was um, 368 yards passing. It was the most since Aaron Murray in 2013 uh, against Auburn. Yeah, hmm. the, uh, the prayer at Jordan Hare game. He threw over 400 yards, but yeah. So Stetson. For all the Georgia fans that hated on Stetson, like this, it could be an overreaction to just week one. But I think we all know Oregon is, if nothing else, a solid football team. Maybe one of the two or three best on Georgia's schedule. Time will remain uh, to tell on that. But for all the Georgia fans that hated on Stetson, like if he has a couple more performances like this, his name's going to be at the top of the UGA record books on on several stats. He's a uh, I think he's set for a, for a pretty good year this year. Jalen Carter was sensational in this one. You look at him, 
um, just causing absolute havoc. But, um, and this was an interesting stat, Rob Mosley, uh, Oregon Ducks writer, he said, uh, he tweeted this after the game. That said, the last three times Oregon lost its opener, 2009, 2011, 2019, the Ducks finished the year at the Rose Bowl. So maybe something to put in the back of your mind uh, for freaking out about week one craziness. I will say too, this is something that I think was overlooked a little bit because a lot of this was Oregon's defense did not have the players to stop and match up with this offensive line with the skill players out wide. Like lab McConkey was just running circles around these dudes and you were able to put in Kendall Milton who has beefed up. He's, Oh, he's a jack dude now. Like he is significantly stronger than I remember him when he first burst on the scene a couple of years ago. Um, but Oregon drove several times. Like Georgia, it wasn't like Bo Nix was struggling to move the ball uh, early on in this one. Like that's something that I think is going to be overlooked that Oregon had over 300 yards of offense in this one. They ran five yards to carry against Georgia as a whole. Um, that was something that I think is going to be overlooked a little bit or, because Bo Nix had some really awful picks and just did some really backbreaking stuff in this one, but they were able to move the ball. I think you're going to be able to run on this team a little bit this year. This defense is still elite. Georgia's defense is still elite. I mean, Malachi Starks as a true freshman led the team in tackles <laughs> in the opener. That's pretty wild. The five-star athlete. Uh, at a what was it Jefferson? I think he's from Jefferson, right? He is indeed. Yeah, My, My, Michael Williams from Columbus. Yeah. He got the the, he, the start in this game, true freshman, and Malachi Starks. Yeah, I think he might solidify that that safety spot as well. Crazy and, and pick in this one, without a doubt. And I think Georgia, just based on what they had coming back, so many question marks. But you're like, you know, the way Georgia recruits and Kirby, they most likely will will still have a lot of players. And I don't even think that was accounting for any freshmen coming in and contributing right away. And so mm. if, if you got two true freshmen coming in and, you know, making plays on this on this defense, like they might not be as good as 2021, but they also don't have to play the 2021 team. So they could this could still be the best defense in college football. And I, I don't know if I would agree with you that they necessarily drove the ball that much. There A lot of their drives ended in, in punts. How many yards though? Like I could pull up their drive by drive because, like, if you look, um, two, they got it first down, first down, uh, on that first drive. One of the interceptions get... came pretty late, pretty deep in Georgia territory. The the Chris Smith interception. Yeah, um, I guess I'd have to go back a little bit and go. And then they it. also just pulled the 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 2021 classic uh that that georgia did every single game last year someone puts together a a eight minute drive 15 play drive to try to score a garbage time touchdown there in the fourth quarter like and 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 this was a one of the times they were able to keep him out of the end zone but yeah i mean this this defense will anderson has talked about like he's just above and beyond the best defensive player in college football like i don't think those people know who Jalen Carter is like Will Anderson is not on another level than Jalen Carter like they play different positions but Jalen Carter I think is is equally as dominant like this might he might be the best player in college football in my opinion like he's just he could be the number one pick in the draft he's just an absolute you know one game one man wrecking crew on the defensive line for sure for sure uh Matt Green where are we going next um I think the biggest 
the next biggest like kind of statement win, I think, kind of over the weekend, unless I'm overlooking someone, obviously Ohio State beating Notre Dame was a was a good win, but Florida beating Utah, I think, mm. was massive just from a a psychological standpoint. Like we don't know how good Utah is. We don't know how good the Pac-12 is. The the best team in the Pac-12, you know, might be a three or four loss team. Like who really knows? But it simply doesn't matter for Florida. Like the number seven ranked team came into your building, brand new regime, like first game. To be able to come away with a win is just like, obviously this team has a lot to work on, but to be able to come away with a win is just, it was a massive win. Like Anthony Richardson, I think, I thought he, his performance this weekend was great. Like he obviously, he still needs to improve as a passer, but you know, we've seen guys in college football that needed to improve as passers that were still damn good college football players because the running game, the quarterback running is, is a huge aspect to, to college football offenses. So I think, I think some criticism is needed of Utah for how you're not going to have a spy on this guy every single play. Like once he took off, it seemed like every time he took off, there's no one there and he, he'd get 20, 30 yards out of it. So I, uh, not to take anything away from Anthony Richardson. He's a, he's a dynamic athlete. And that one play he made around the goal line, breaking the tackle and, uh, and fi- and throwing the touchdown. I thought this was just a massive win for Florida. I mean, Anthony Richardson, three TDs uh, total in this one. He was sensational. I thought he was top-notch, 17 and 24, 168, 7.0 yards per attempt. Uh, but he had 11 carries, 106 yards. He averaged 10 yards to carry. Montreal Johnson, uh, the transfer from Louisiana, 12 carries, 75 yards, 6.3. You look at it totally. 39 carries in the night for the Florida Gators in the ground, 283 yards, 7.3 yards per attempt, four TDs. All no passing touchdowns in this one. They just, just, they, Kyle Whittingham, a tough, tough Utah defense, and they ran right through him. Like they really pulverized him. They never quit on this one. Like this was something where, I mean, this was a hard fought win, and Utah deserves a lot of credit for fighting. And like even after that late score by Florida, and Anthony Richardson that they drove right back down the field and should have won this game. Like this was one of those, they got away with uh, the almost pick at midfield by the Florida linebacker who dropped it right in his hands. And then mm-hmm. obviously they get down further and they're just trying to figure out what they what to do. And they're, they're in the gun. They're, <laughs> they're going for the score. They're going for the win. And you and I were texting about this at the time, but I would have just kneeled it. I, I didn't understand the logic there. Just get in the middle of the field, kick the field goal you're in the swamp, man. Pac-12 football has not gone in in one SEC games very often. It's been a long time. Uh, they've won one on the road. Uh, they beat uh, UCLA, beat LSU last year or two years ago, whatever it was at home. But on the road in hostile territory, man, you go to overtime. You see what happens in overtime against this new coaching staff and it puts some pressure on them uh, in the swamp. I just I didn't like the call. I'm gonna have to respectfully disagree, sir. Mm. I I think that goes against the classic coaching philosophy. At home, you go for the tie. Mm. On the road, you go for the win because you just want to get out of there. You got a chance to win the game. You win the game now. You and you uh you you get out of there. They How did that work for goal. App State? Which uh, um, but see they they were at home. They went for the, the for the tie or for the no, win. They went for the they two. Was, they went for the one at home. No, I'm saying the first time they scored with before the onside kick. 
They mm-hmm. went for two. Yes, and to they do should it for know. the win. Yeah, yeah. I'm saying they should have tied. They were at home. They say they were supposed to go for the tie on the I road. Think you should you just always go for the, go for the tie. Uh, I just I don't know, man. I, I think if you think you're the better team, you you can go for the tie. I think if you mm. if you don't think you're the better team, classically, I would go for the win because you're like you know we don't know if we if we play this out for longer if we're really better than these guys, but right now we have a shot to win. Hmm. But they had first and goal. On the six yard line with 22 seconds left, that's a game you can win. You can't, like, you have to make a good decision. Like, you, you tell the quarterback, like, don't force anything into coverage, but you go for the win in that situation. Like, I don't hmm. see, I don't see any scenario where you can just have first and goal with 22 seconds, first and goal. That's easily enough time to run three plays, three shots at the end zone. If you don't get it, kick a field goal, go to overtime. You just you got to tell your quarter you can't force anything into coverage, and he he forced it into double coverage, and it was picked off. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, would you like to guess who's number one in first downs after this weekend? Is is it Florida? It's North Carolina. Oh, okay, that makes yeah, sense. North Carolina. They're I think they're going to win this one. This this battle here through two games. Um, Matt Green, I just what? Let's talk about the Tar Heels. Are you? Well, hold you on. Say last thing on Florida. Florida? I, I, well, this is a Florida Utah thing. Does this loss, though, kick Utah out of the college football playoff conversation? If they still run the gauntlet, mm. they get back in the Pac 12 schedule and they go 11 and 1, let's say, and then beat Oregon or USC in the Pac 12 title game? Um, like just definitively, no, it doesn't eliminate them, but I mean, it's not likely now because. Mm. That was one of those things, like, it didn't matter how good Florida was in the season opener. Like, that's a good win. Going into the swamp, like, traveling across the country, it, it doesn't matter if this Florida team goes 7-5, and 6-6. Six and six. That would have still been a good win. And, like, who knows? Maybe they go 8-4, and 9-3, and it's kind of a, a Cincinnati-Notre Dame situation from last year, and they're actually a good team, and they're kind of propping you up the whole way. Um, I just don't think with what Utah's resume is going to be, it's going to take so much help. Like if like my original prediction, this doesn't necessarily keep them out because my original prediction was a two loss big 12 champion and a two loss ACC champion Mm. this season. So that can still, if they run the table, go 11 and one, 12 and one with a Pac 12 championship, they can still win it, but they're just definitely not going to get the benefit of the doubt over any other one loss team. In my opinion, because, because I, because I think we both don't see this Florida team being really a top twenty-five team this season. So it's not. It's not. I mean, they could be, but I think eight and four is this Florida team goes eight and four. Are they ranked? Like I don't. Yeah, maybe like a borderline. Maybe not. They're not a top fifteen team most likely. Like they might be ranked, but we just don't really know how good this team is. So if if that's the one loss when you're comparing it to a one loss Baylor or a one loss Clemson or a one loss, you know, someone coming out of the ACC, that sort of thing, Oklahoma, like I, it's just, they're going to be, or if it's like a Notre Dame, their one loss is Ohio state at the end of the year. If Georgia's one loss is to Alabama, like they're not going to get the benefit of the doubt in any of those one loss tiebreakers, in my opinion. So it's not over for them, but it's, it definitely took a shot because I felt like this Florida, this Florida win, it's kind of like a moment, you know, like we beat an SEC school, we went down South and beat an SEC school. Like we challenged ourselves to play this tough of a game and we won. I feel like that was going to kind of 
you know, subconsciously affect the voters that, yeah, this Utah team is for real. We want every, and everyone always kind of has that bias. Like we talk about, it's like a East coast bias, but ultimately the bias is really at the end of the day to try to get the biggest part of the country involved. And if you can make an argument that a team from the West coast is in the top four, the, the playoff wants to give those conference champions the benefit of the doubt more times than not. But usually there's just there isn't a legitimate argument to be had for for the Pac-12 champion. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Florida, though, if you're a Florida fan, you're feeling pretty good. And especially with Kentucky, their favor going to the Kentucky game this weekend. No Chris Rodriguez in this one. And we saw Kentucky struggle in that first half against the Miami Red Hawks. And uh, Will Levis, and let me just say, Spencer Rattler, who was not good this weekend uh, mm. in the opener either. Will Levis, not good. This is something that uh, Georgia fans and Tennessee fans can come together on. Are you ready for me to bring the, the two together, Matt Green? What's, what's that? Hendon Hooker and Stetson Bennett are like the quarterbacks who deserve the weekly praise. And like they are clearly better college quarterbacks right now than Will Levis and Spencer Rattler. They are clearly better players. So when you throw in the Heisman stuff and like these lists and they're Spencer and Will are just like the what ifs, like the NFL types where it's like if we put him in the right system. He has the arm talent. He has this, that and the other. He has the look of an NFL quarterback. Hendon Hooker is not going to be an NFL starting quarterback for 15 years. Like Seth Bennett's not going to be an NFL quarterback. But these two guys are so efficient and so good at their craft now in great systems that they know everything ins and outs and are both going to put in top 10 offenses this year. They are what everyone in the national media keeps hoping and trying to turn Spencer and Will into. It's not happening. These two, it's not going to happen. Give that love to Stetson Bennett and Hendon Hooker because they are the actual on-the-field production that you're looking for week over week with Spencer Rattler and Will Levis. So are you going to include Anthony Richardson in that group or is this a Venn diagram and maybe maybe Anthony Richardson's in that middle group? Kind of the no, overlap Richardson might go still... number one in the draft next year. But I'm saying for all of the kind of draft hype he's gotten, hmm. he's not even close to showing that at the college level. But I think he's the one that I feel like his ceiling feels more unknown to me. Mm-hmm than Rattler or Will Levis. Like, I feel like yeah. more confident in saying they're not as good as I thought as people claim they are. Whereas Anthony Richardson's kind of in that, in that medium space. Like he could like the, the tools are there. We see what people see, but he hasn't necessarily done it yet. I just wouldn't, I can't rule out him doing it yet. I mean, there's a lot of cam stuff there. When you watch that game, there was a lot of, a lot of Cam Newton stuff there. Why I know we gotta, you don't why like we it. gotta do it? Why we gotta do the Cam Newton thing? Richardson, I mean, he's gonna be a player, man. Uh, I and of the three, I would say Richardson. If I had to pick over the course of the year, who I'm betting on, Richardson, Spencer Rattler, or uh, Will Levis, give me Richardson every single time. Uh, more embarrassing, Matt Green, UNC barely surviving against App State on the road, or NC State winning because East Carolina college kickered it and uh, missed the extra point to send it to overtime. I was shocked by this phrasing on your outline here, sir. Mm. Um, this isn't even close. NC state is by far more embarrassing. Like by mm. the time of kickoff app state was favored to win the game without a, mm. uh, without the star receiver, Josh downs. Like I even came to you like, or texted you at like 1130 or something mm. on a, 
on Saturday? Like, is it too late to change my App State UNC pick? Because everything was looking towards App State at that point. Um, but for NC State, like, and also UNC, what's their over-under coming on this year? What, six and a half, seven and a half? Like, NC State is a team, a dark horse playoff contender, and we're going we're, – we're, win- we're beating – East Carolina by one point after they miss a what a 28 yard field goal or whatever that was to to end the game there at the end like NC State I'm not sure how they can like East Carolina I feel like does this to teams right it seems like they're they're kind of one of these chaotic teams that can uh that can be dangerous when the ACC teams come to town but uh I don't know you gotta survive in advance but um if anyone should like feel worse about their team after this weekend it's 100 percent nc state devin leary said after the game quote they came in and humbled us a little bit but that's something in the long run you might look back and say that we needed did you really need that going into east carolina did you need to be humbled on the road against the pirates is that week one what what have you won why where is this confidence you have not been in the big 12 uh, the acc title game yet what are we talking about humbled you're not Clemson. That's fair, but no, that's fair though. There's a lot of preseason hype around NC State, and guys can start to read their own press clippings, as they say. So, mm. I um maybe ultimately it is a learning experience. I don't know if it was Sam Pittman or someone who said it this weekend, but uh, a learning experiment experience following a, a W is a lot better than a learning experience following a loss. So, you know, maybe this was enough to uh, to get NC State focused and uh get them to to play at their at their potential moving forward how much longer is uh is uh gene chiswick going to be the dc at north carolina Mm. that's a good question not uh not the best performance and when was he the dc last was that under uh oh the guy fedora because it was that when he was 2016 or so yeah larry fedora that's right didn't go well that time either so yeah we'll (laughs) we'll see what happens with with chiswick in in north carolina i mean just what are we doing uh north carolina man and i wonder too like jay bateman uh, i think is his name the uh longtime dc at army who went to um chapel hill with mac brown didn't work out for him. They're giving up 42.5 points per game through two weeks, uh, Matt Green. I just, <laughs> I don't know. It's entertaining to watch. It's entertaining to watch. And do you know what's great where they're right next to right now? And it it tells me, Matt Green, that nature is healing because <laughs> the Oklahoma State Cowboys find themselves at 114th and uh, scoring defense, giving up 44 this weekend. So I would like to personally say... Is that the Chippewas? Uh, yes, that was the Chippewas. Jim McElwain putting it on him. Um, we'll say, Derek Mason, shout out to you, Derek Mason, for going to Oklahoma State, imploding that Jim Knowles defense from the inside to bring back the kind of cowboy football that you and I grew up with, Mac Green. <laughs> For that offense to be good, what we saw last year, that Oklahoma State team, yeah, it was cool. Defense first. They almost went to the college football playoff. That was nice. That's not the Oklahoma State football I want to watch. I want to watch the just the gunslinging all over the place. 52, Zach Robinson. Yes. Des Bryant. That's what we want. So Derek Mason, 
shout out to you. I hope it continues week over week. Give him a lifetime contract because Stillwater got fun again. Does that mean they're just going to have a rough year? Probably eight and four, nine and three. Yeah, but that feels right. It feels like home. Feels feels like uh, the kind of nostalgia that I like. A bad Oklahoma State defense with an electric Oklahoma State offense that is must see week over week. So Oklahoma State, North they Carolina, Mac Williams got year. a solid uh, a solid pedigree when it comes to coaching offense. So. You know, these early game, early season games, you don't want to overreact too much. Sometimes these teams do to survive a scare week one, and they can bounce back and have a better season. So we'll see. I won't rule out the uh, the Cowboys from being Big 12 contenders just yet. Speaking of contenders, Matt Green, Haynes King, did you watch this? I watched very little of the Sam Houston State uh, game that they played this weekend. I went back and watched every Haynes King throw in this one. He is a you weird. Simply, yes, yes. I was, Do you know what I'm talking about? My, me and my brother were saying the exact same thing this weekend. What is this release? Um, I don't know. I, I like James <laughs> King less after seeing it, though. <laughs> I uh, not to say he's not a good quarterback, but um, hold on, we can actually this- say that after this weekend i'm i'm starting to wonder people are wondering. We could start to have the conversation. Are we sure Haynes King's good? I think that's okay. We can have the conversation. I'm not 100% sure, but he beat out Max Johnson. And I think Max Johnson is a good quarterback. So, you know, we'll see. I don't think we can learn that much from a game versus Sam Houston State. But you also, that's why you also kind of want to just see your team put up 60 points in these games because if you don't, we just kind of worry. So 31 to 0, Jimbo Fisher there's been questions about this A&M offense. He's supposed to be an offensive guy and we're in year five or so now. Are we in year six of Jimbo Fisher? And we haven't seen an explosive offense most of these years. So we'll see. 31-0 Sam Houston State. It's not enough to – or are they just Sam Houston now? I'm looking at the box score. Bearcats with a K. I'm not sure what that's all about. Um, That hasn't always been their mascot, has it? That's a good question. I don't remember off the top. That of my head. doesn't that doesn't look familiar. Well, it's also new but, colors. Uh, they weren't black and orange, if I seem to recall. I feel they, like were they were definitely other... orange. They were orange. What if that was just orange and white? Maybe they. I don't know. Uh, I'm not sure. Thing. I'm not sure either. But um. But yeah. So 31-0 is is fine. But I don't know. You kind of want to see your team really empty the clip on a uh, on one of these cupcakes, as 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 you might say. He kind of reminds me of Bo Nix. Yeah, I could see that a little bit. I um, I don't want to rule out Max Johnson. I, you know, I'm a Max Johnson guy, so I want to see him get a little more reps here. Who do they play? Who do they play week two? We still got another cupcake. We got App State next week, and then and then Miami comes to town. So, oh, A and M's got App State next week. Yeah, at home because mm-hmm. SEC schools <laughs> play Sun Belt teams at home, not on the road. This was almost an awful week for the ACC. Like. I get you know, it probably still was a bad week for the ACC, but they did win most of these games where their teams looked bad. I do love that they're in all corners of the Southeast this evening. There are grown men angrily tweeting and yelling at friends about LSU and their blemish on the SEC season because they're the one team that's lost uh, 
after week oh, that's one. That's true. Thirteen and one on the weekend. I mm-hmm. guess fourteen and one if you include uh both of Vanderbilt's wins. But yeah, it's uh it's unfortunate. Um I will just say in the Hanks King front too, is that when you watch this game, here's the thing about Texas AM that's gonna be so frustrating for fans. I didn't see enough that makes me concerned whether or not they can still win the SEC West or contend for the college football playoff. The defense is there. Like Sammy State wasn't doing anything. The the defense is just top notch and they're going to be one of the best scoring defenses in college football this year. Like the defense is going to keep them in games. The skill position talent out wide. This is the best wide receiver group that Jimbo's had in college station. Like this is an elite talent group where you see the yak stuff and you see all you got to do this is part of the reason that i think you're like a max johnson guy here it's just put in the quarterback who's gonna put the ball in the playmaker's hands like just do the bare minimum just put it in their hands because aeneas smith um evan stewart you go up and down the list just put it in their like they're electric this is an electric, electric bunch. And we don't see that kind of receiver talent come out of uh, College Station very often. If you go through it, it's like you got to go back to the Johnny Manziel era uh, to see the last uh, exciting wide receiver prospect uh, out of College Station. Just put it in their hands. Like there is talent out wide with this group. And I think that's why it's going to be so frustrating for College Station fans uh, this fall is that like if they go this Haynes King route. I don't know, because uh, you just have this talent out wide and this elite top three defense, I think, in college football. And I just don't know if this quarterback play is going to be enough to to take advantage of it. Hey, uh, Mike Evans was great, but don't be uh, don't be selling Christian Kirk short now. He was a uh, big time receiver prospect. They they produced. But that was um, Johnny Manziel. That's what I'm saying. No, Christian Kirk. That was like Trevor Knight. That's like was he Trevor Knight? 2017 or so, I think. Because Christian Kirk, sure? because he's league. only twenty five. Christian Kirk, yeah, but he's only been in the league for like three or four years, right? Like he's still pretty young. It wasn't Trevor Knight. No way. Hold on, he had I'm not to play with Johnny Manziel. No, I would say Christian Kirk did not play with Johnny Manziel. If I had to, if I had to bet, because that was Ryan mm. Ryan Swope. He was on that that Johnny Manziel team, the mm. wide receiver. I wonder how Desmond Howard's feeling about his Texas A and M pick uh, right now. His college football playoff. Um, I don't know. I don't know where Dex Desmond Howard. For those listening that did not see Desmond Howard's prediction of the Final Four, he has Texas A&M beating Pittsburgh, Michigan beating Baylor, and Texas A&M beating Michigan in the national championship. No Alabama, no Ohio State, no Georgia, no Clemson, no Oklahoma. We'll we'll see how that works out for for old Des. Everyone's want to know, but we'll we'll see how that works out. Kyle Allen was his first quarterback. At okay. AM in twenty fifteen. Christian Kirk's twenty fifteen. So Trevor Knight was twenty sixteen, right? Yeah. So right after, because um, that was after the Kyler Murray, uh, Kyle Allen debacle. Yeah. Um. So he must have just missed him. So there you go. I could have sworn there was like a one year crossover, but I guess not. Um. Then who was Johnny? Man- who was the main target for Johnny Manziel? Mike Evans was his number. So one. So I guess Mike Evans was. So that was the crossover. Okay. Yeah. Um. There you go. Matt Green, um, next up, I want to throw this to you. Houston has to beat UTSA 17-3 to in the fourth quarter to, uh, to come back and beat the Roadrunners in what is a great rivalry now. San Antonio versus Houston, two extremely well-coached teams, two extremely great programs. Um, man, 
this was a lot of fun to come through uh, the following day, but Clayton Thune falling out in this one. Great comeback win. Houston, as uh, the listeners know, I have going undefeated this season, so needed them to uh, not fall on their face in week one. But what a fun game, man. Uh, what do you make of the Houston Cougars coming back and uh, beating the Roadrunners in uh, epic fashion? This is a big-time win. I think we knew that uh, UTSA had the offensive firepower to keep up with Houston. So they we knew they're like we knew they're going to have games like this all season. Like Houston, like this is going to be one of the better teams they play all year outside of probably Texas Tech uh, next week. But I thought this was a big-time win. Houston, you know, they they got that Clayton Tune, that big-time offense. I uh, – I think this is a. I don't. I don't take anything away from them uh, for needing to go to overtime to beat UTSA. But UTSA, really good program. Uh, it moving in the right direction. Houston survives, um, and we'll see what happens the rest of the way. Um, one in Fayetteville, Sam Pittman survives at home. Um, we get Mr. Bryant, uh, the Eastern Michigan transfer under center. Not the, the the intriguing quarterback of the future there. Uh, I think his name's Prather. Um, they go with uh, the proven commodity there a little bit in Fayetteville on the road at Arkansas. But they hang with them throughout. I thought this was a pretty, pretty important game for Luke Fickle and not all losses are the same. And I would argue this was uh, the, the Bearcats proved a point in Fayetteville and gave Sam Pittman and the Arkansas Razorbacks, all they can handle, right? Yeah, I agree completely. I think we were both, you know, just questioning them, not necessarily because of what they have, but because of what they don't have. And they just lost so much NFL talent from that team a year ago. And there's just kind of an assumption that, you know, Cincinnati can't really be that good again this year. And I mean, this could be like the fourth or fifth year in a row that they've been really good. So Luke Fickles, he's put together just an excellent program and this is this is a win that I feel like is going to get kind of overlooked uh, for Arkansas. But this is a this is a really good program. Like this isn't beating Akron. This isn't beating Kent State, Ball State at home, Utah State. Like this is a legitimate college football playoff program. And like this was a physical game. This is a tough game. And Arkansas they pretty much controlled it. I would say uh, the whole way. But but uh, but Cincinnati definitely hung with them. It was. Uh, is a quality win. I think KJ Jefferson showed like, I think this is what they're going to need from him week in and week out this season. Yeah. I, uh, KJ Jefferson's like the most slept on quarterback in this conference. And I think that's just going to continue to be the case, right? It doesn't matter what he does. And Arkansas just, we've now gotten accustomed to Arkansas, just doing the competent Arkansas things now that they're just winning big games at home, winning games. They're supposed to winning game games against really good competition. I don't know. Arkansas is just suddenly a solid, solid, solid program. And I think Sam Pittman deserves all the credit in the world for what he's turned around this program because they were left for dead a couple of years ago and just what we were looking at with the in the Chad Morris era. But the one thing about Chad Morris, he did know he had something in KJ Jefferson uh, bringing him to Fayetteville. So uh, doing wonders for a different staff. But Arkansas lives to fight another day. I'm very curious to see what they look like through the course of this season. Um, 
Without a doubt, we're one year removed from obviously Texas is a more prestigious program than Cincinnati, mm. but but we're a year removed from Arkansas rushing the field to beat an unranked Texas team. Like not not really not really a big deal in terms of a national upset, but just from who they were as a program. Um, and now it's like you just beat a team that that played in the college ball playoff last year, open the season, and it's it's business as usual. It's not even the top headline in college football. I think Sam Pittman is just, I mean, is he not, is he not the most beloved coaching all of college football? Like there's not one person that can say a bad word about Sam Pittman. Well, I think everybody like just likes their coach, right? Like every Georgia fan would say, Oh, it's Kirby. Like every Georgia fan just loves, loves Kirby. But as, as a Georgia fan, I am aware of how many people dislike Kirby mainly just because Alabama fans are so loud about it. But like there's not for him to come from Georgia. Like there, there's absolutely zero animosity from his previous employer. Like maybe because he hasn't beaten Georgia in a big game or anything that might change things. But like if like Georgia fans just universally love Sam Pittman. And I just, so if there was going to be a fan base that didn't like him, it's like your, it's your previous stop, you know, mm. like maybe you, you know, you, 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 stole a recruit or you stole a staff member or something like that so there's there's nothing from georgia to dislike him and then just the national perspective of sam Pittman. he's just he's just a super likable guy and you can't not root for arkansas i would agree matt green um what's sad right now we have to talk about this matt green does ken how am i gonna do this can you pronounce his last name ken Namaya Tololo Ken Naya Yes, the Navy. Yeah, coach. we'll go with that. I, I struggle with it. It doesn't matter how many times I hear it out loud. I'm going to struggle with it. So apologies to to Coach <sighs> Naya Tololo. I can't do this. And I, I, I don't know how to do it. I can't do it. I keep trying. I can't do it. Can't, coach Ken, they lose at home. Did you see this? This went under the radar a little bit. They dropped to the FCS Delaware Blue Hens who have a new coach here and play. What the heck is going on at Navy? They have fallen off a cliff as a program. So this is a two-parter, man. This one under the radar, it's our under radar loss of the week uh, <laughs> on this segment. Delaware beating Navy on the road. Now we have to wonder, are we sure Navy doesn't fire their coach and change gears a little bit uh, this year? Number two, Rutgers goes on the road and beats Boston College. Like, that was a crazy game, too. That was a shocker for me, for sure. Like, I Boston College, I thought, was a sleeper to be, you know, easily a bowl team, maybe Mm. even even play some some interesting games in November. Like, not necessarily win the division, but maybe compete. Um, Losing to Rutgers, I don't know. Now I'm... Like that, like Rutgers. We always sleep on Rutgers, right? Like maybe great. There's no one that can that can uh, coach Rutgers like Greg Schiano. So maybe he just knows something about finding ways to win some games. But uh, he's obviously a proven coach. But um, yeah, I thought Boston College is definitely a disappointing performance over the weekend. But I didn't see much of Navy. But I did see a touchdown celebration <laughs> from the Delaware Blue Hens. Did you see this? Mm-hmm. The, uh, the the salute of playing against Navy, I'm not sure how to feel about it. Is that disrespectful <laughs> to our armed forces here? I feel like it's a it's a great shit talking, but I don't know if uh, I don't know if it crosses a line. 
How do we feel? That's a good point. I guess you just have to ask the Navy, like, uh, naval officers, like, what they thought of it. Like, I don't know. Ask the players. Ask the opposing side. I don't know. It is a um, sign of respect, right? Maybe it's just, like, if you don't don't like it, stop it. The same thing <laughs> with everything else. Like, you don't want them to do that. Like, it I, just, I, It's funny. It's equivalent to just, like, doing the Gator Chomp when you score yeah. against Florida or something. But it, it, it takes on an interesting... Uh, uh, angle when it's when it's uh, against our military, <laughs> and uh, Coastal beats uh, Army thirty eight twenty eight to start off. Um, Want to know the Chanticleers? Very pro Chanticleers on this podcast. Um, I would like to unveil our WTF of the week. Our pet. Let's call this our pets' heads are falling off uh, segment <laughs> of the week. Matt Green, Louisville, who I had as an ACC champion dark horse before the year. They go to Syracuse. Did you see this? Did you hear about this, Matt Green? I did. I heard they about get it. Boat race. They get embarrassed on the road. Um, if you're a former Mississippi State or current Mississippi State quarterback, this was the weekend for you. Garrett Schrader, formerly of the Mississippi State Bulldogs, been in uh, Syracuse for a little bit now, has a fantastic game up there in Syracuse, New York, as the Syracuse Orangemen beat the Louisville Cardinals 31-7. They shut them out in the second, third, and fourth quarter. Garrett Schrader, 18-25, 237 yards, two TDs. Remember, Syracuse benefited significantly from the retirement, the sudden retirement from Bronco Mendenhall, Matt Green. They bring in all the offensive staff from Bronco Mendenhall, who turned in Brennan Armstrong into an absolute assassin. Bryce Perkins before him, an absolute assassin at the quarterback position. Guess what? He's in the building for Syracuse now. Dino Babers, everything is on the table. He has to win this year. He's getting fired most likely. They just go out and beat the crap out of the Louisville Cardinals to open up. We got to reevaluate some stuff. The ACC is absolutely drunk. I have no freaking clue what to do with the ACC. All I'm just going to say is our pets heads are falling off right now in the ACC, the American athletic conference. What are we doing? Or the Atlantic coast conference? Excuse me. What are we doing? My slogan, my personal slogan, I don't know if I can trademark this or what, but I have Mm. said this, I would say for probably a decade plus that no one in the ACC just cancel out Clemson's national championship runs. They don't count. Mm. No one in the ACC is as bad as you think they are, and no one is as good as you think they are. Mm. It just seems like this conference for like a decade plus, it's just once you think you know one of these teams, they just just drop a game they shouldn't, or they just absolutely destroy someone you don't think they're going to. Syracuse, I feel like we we left them for dead just about. Like, Mm. yeah, Dino Babers, yeah, I don't know when they're going to fire him, but they're going to fire him. I'm not really worried about it. So Syracuse, like who knows, uh, 31-7 to start the year. I think this is a this is a statement win without a doubt. And for Malik Cunningham, like, you know, he's had his struggles as a passer. Like hasn't been just amazing as a passer, but you can always trust that this guy's going to put up 100 and something on the ground. They absolutely shut him down. So uh, big time performance for the Orange. There you go. Matt Green, it's time for our last little thing here on uh, the recap show. First recap show of the new season. Uh, our stickers 
of the week. We love stickers on helmets. Um, who got your stickers of the week, sir? Uh, you, you, we taking turns. You may just give you all of them. Give me yours, and then I'll give you mine. So, uh, oh, I like where this is going. <laughs> <laughs> um, I got to go Stetson Bennett of the Georgia Bulldogs, first off. Um, then we got KJ Jefferson. I thought was an excellent performance for Arkansas. Anthony Richardson. We obviously talked about him. I thought that was an excellent win over Utah. And then the other one, a little off the beaten path, is Drake May for North Carolina. Um, not only this week, twenty four of thirty five for three fifty two and four touchdowns. Also had seventy six yards rushing and a touchdown. But now on the season, he's completing 73% of his passes, nine touchdowns, no picks. Like, I think there's a chance that North Carolina just doesn't even miss Sam Howell, that they just pick up right where he left off from, from a year ago. I, I like that. Drake May is going to be a player at uh, UNC. I think they found their next star uh, there. So that I would highly agree. Um, for me, the Mississippi State quarterback, Garrett Schrader, did great work. Uh, I think he's a sneaky dark horse, like big time year. I think he's going to be, I think the Syracuse offense is legit. And I think the fact that they, that staff from Virginia and Brocko Mendenhall walking in the building for Syracuse is going to pay dividends. I don't think they're going 10 and two or anything, but I think Dino Baber saved his job by adding them to the staff. I think they're going to be efficient. I think they're going to be fun. Six and six, seven and five is far more likely now. Uh, for the orange men. So that's good for them. Good for that program uh, who's been through a lot. Um, Will Rogers, 38 of 49, 450 through the air, five TDs for the most underrated quarterback in the SEC. The Bulldogs blow out Memphis after a long uh, delay. Bulldogs, man, Georgia fans, I'm telling you right now, even if you are not worried about Tennessee coming into Athens, I get it. I understand it. Going to Starkville, it's going to be a thing. Like Mississippi State, Georgia, I think is going to be a game. Mississippi State's old. They've got a lot of returning. They had the most returning uh, production from a season ago. This is a good team, man. Will Rogers is as efficient as they get. Mike Leach, we know the record. Third-year quarterbacks. Will Rogers starting out of the gate hot. I don't know. I'm I'm drinking all I'm drinking all the bulldog stock uh, the bulldog uh, tea. And spitting out all the old Miss stuff because Jackson Dart was not good in that opener. Zach Evans is going to be a player, but old Miss, not the same team they were a year ago. Mississippi State is, uh, they're going to be a really good football team, man. This is a big year for them. The the former Mississippi State quarterback and the current Mississippi State quarterback getting getting stickers from you. Um, yep. I thought I don't know if he's necessarily underrated because I feel like he gets a decent amount of uh, of hype. But I mm. thought you were going to say the most underrated kind of. Maybe the most underrated win of the weekend and the SEC feels like mm. Mississippi State uh, beat Memphis because like they lost to this team a year ago. Like Memphis yeah. is not one of these cupcakes either. They're one of the more respectable group of five programs. So they took care of business uh, as they need to. And you saw the offense working the way it should. So I feel like it was a quality win. Mississippi State, no, that's definitely Georgia fans. That That's one of the handful of games, even though people have questioned this schedule in 2022. That's one of the handful of games at Circle that at Starkville, uh, whatever week of November it is, that, that, that's definitely one of the more dangerous games for Georgia. There you go. All right, Matt Green. First recap show of the year back in the books here, man. A lot of fun. A lot of fun talking 
actual football. It's been a little bit. It's been uh, how many months now since we last were able to do this? Nine months almost uh, since we were last talking about college football action and games that happen. <clears throat> glad to uh, glad to have that back. Uh, don't forget, friends. Uh, you can check this out every. Sunday night here on the Chase Notes Podcast, ready for you on your Monday morning commute each and every week during the college football season. Follow Matt on Twitter at Matt underscore underscore green. Follow myself at Chase underscore Thomas. And of course, uh, tell a friend, family member, coworker about the full ride here on the Chase Thomas Podcast. Uh, new episodes daily here on the podcast here on bluewirepods.com. Subscribe on YouTube and watch this episode and all of our episodes, youtube.com slash Chase Thomas Podcast. Um, but that, that is all I've got. So for that guy down there in Tequila, Georgia, Matt Green, for myself up here in Knoxville, Tennessee, we'll be back with our week two preview show net on uh, Wednesday evening. So look out for that in your podcast feed. And until then, Matt Green, thank you as always. Yes, sir. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.